We landed at number 26 on CBS's 50 storylines to watch. Hmm. In the in the in the east. Yeah, yeah. They omitted us from the west. Quite sure. <laughs> so, so there's 15 teams, and we were the 26th storyline. Uh, yeah. Although the number one thing is parody, right? Which isn't a team. I right? agree with that. So, there's stuff like that happening. Okay. I just want to know how ri- outraged I should be, Harper. Well, I don't know. What do you think that story, that storyline that we're supposed to be following is? Uh, it's uh, who are we gonna trade uh, Miles Turner for? Yeah, Miles and okay. Peeled on the move. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Good creative thinking from Yahoo or CBS. You know. Yeah, they clearly had the AI do that based on Twitter noise. <laughs> yeah, so uh, just prepare to. Uh, it'll be great. It'll be perfect. Y'all motherfuckers don't watch us play throughout the year, to tell you the truth. I'm gonna be real with you, and I don't care if I get fired. That train is off the track. I feel like you, you can't just, like, jump through Neptune and be okay. Just prepare to. What the show needs is more dogs and bears and chickens and stuff. Yeah, so uh, just prepare to uh, be a watch and unbeatable goodness. Welcome, Pacers fans. You are listening to The Undebeatables, your semi-weekly Pacers podcast. This is episode 606, Palindrome, baby. Coming to you from the home of Jameson Brewer, Silver Spring, Maryland. I'm the Dr. Jason Triplett. This show, we're going to discuss early impressions of Pacers players and surprising starts for teams across the NBA. All that, plus we'll have a stat of the week and answer an Google. It's been a while. I'm looking forward to that. Joining me to do all of this are two of our analysts coast to coast like buttered toast. First from Asheville, North Carolina. He's our in-house bartender mixing up the drinks and the crappy jingles. It's John Colson. What is up, Pacer Nation? What is up, Undebeatables? Uh, it's uh, leaf-peeping season out here. So... Uh, Hop on your motorbike and come see me. <laughs> that sounded dirtier than mm-hmm. it <laughs> And from Boise, Idaho, out west, it's our enforcer, John Harper. What is going on, fellas? Not much, not much. Before we start the show, just want to remind you folks that you can support us every time you shop at Amazon. It doesn't cost you any extra. Just follow the link in the show notes or go to theundebeatables.com slash Amazon. Kicks a little money our way every time you're buying uh, your Halloween uh, candy and whatnot. All right, we are recording on a Sunday, so some Pacers action will have happened, but we've seen three games, and uh, we're going to make some bold over-interpretations of what we've seen so far. Uh, Colson, do you want to kick us off? I've heard you have thoughts. Sure. No, I, I, I think we... Uh... Our, our first three games were uh, playing against sort of the bottom uh, tier of uh, the uh, NBA. I think that um, the Wizards might be playing for a play-in, um, and I don't expect the Spurs or Detroit to um, make the playoffs. And so it's hard to gain too much information uh, from the competition, but um, what we do know is that uh, we're playing at the fourth fastest pace in the NBA. Mm. We're scoring the fourth most points. Uh, we are seventh in offensive rating and 24th in defensive rating, um, which I think goes to the eye test. A couple of thoughts uh, come to mind from that stuff. Uh, this team does need Miles Turner. Uh, I think we talked last week about how much I enjoyed watching professionals play basketball in these games without very many professionals. Uh, Bradley Beal just doing what he does. Um, you know, Kyle Kuzma being big and uh, smart and doing stuff. Um, you know, Corey Joseph and and, and uh, Bogey. I, I think uh, Miles will help this defense quite a bit. But to that point, the thing that surprised me, I think, most from this first week of basketball 
was the limited minutes of Isaiah Jackson. Hmm. Um, he, uh, Carlisle has said uh, in the past that this is the most versatile defender he's ever coached. Without Miles Turner there as the starter, I thought he would not only see the starter's minutes with uh, uh, Jalen Smith staying at the four spot, and even if he's coming off the bench to see, you know, 30 minutes a game. And uh, he was under 20 minutes a game in these three games. Do you think that, I guess my question is, what's the deal? Uh, do you think Carlisle's trying to ease him in? Do you think he's 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 now lacking some confidence in the kid? Um, I He seemed to play well when he was on the floor. I just, I don't know what the deal is. Well, I mean, I think that the best guess there is that he doesn't earn his minutes in practice, right? Um, I mean, we're sitting the minutes rotation. That's going to be the first thing that you're looking at. My guess is that Rick Carla hasn't been as impressed with his progress as maybe he would have liked coming in to start the new season. So he's going to have to earn his minutes from the bottom up. Uh, I was a little surprised that he had, didn't get more minutes as well. I agree. I thought he played pretty well, you know, outside of, you know, one game um, that that last game against Detroit. I mean, really neither Jalen nor Gogo was really, you know, <laughs> bombing in any real sense. Right. Terry Taylor's been a great effort guy for us, so that's been fun to watch. Um, but yeah, I mean, I hope that Isaiah can get his, um, you know, offensive game together so that we can see him a little bit more. And, you know, if we do want to play with pace, he's going to be a much better fit there than, than Miles is. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's definitely running up and down the floor. He he's catching lobs. He's got a he had a, a, a massive offensive rebound and 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 put back dunk in that Detroit game. He's, he's also averaging 2.3 blocks a game, but, you know, he is lacking on on rebounding. He's, he's not even getting five a game right now, and that's something you expect from somebody so bouncy when I want to call – when I want his nickname to be Bouncy Castle. Sure. I mean, his per 36 is nine. I mean, he, he has looked to me so far the uh, – it's sort of similar to Chris Duarte, like sort of just out of – sorts i mean not that he's played poorly he's played better than duarte for sure but the the minutes that i saw him playing i I felt like he maybe was seeing things a a half a second too slow kind of like like he's at that stage where he know he he almost knows too much so he's trying to process all of the things and like be in the right place and do the right thing Versus a guy like, say, Matherin or a rookie that just has no concept. They're just like, whatever, let's just do this. You know, he's like, I think, really trying to apply some things and and sort of getting in his own way, if you will. Yeah. So you think he's overthinking the game sort of thing at this point? Perhaps. It's, It's looked a little frenetic for him, for sure. And, you know, I suspect, too, that part of that, you know, downloading kung fu into his brain is trying to teach him all the things that miles turner has been doing as far as quarterbacking and defense, for right? sure for and sure we saw miles turner struggle with that for years yeah for the first <laughs> for the first three years for sure yeah so yeah. you know in that sense not a huge surprise you know he's a young guy the game will slow down for him no doubt um and you know offensively he's not super well-rounded so you know when you're out there trying to score a buck 40 a game to have a chance um, not always the easiest guy to have out there, but you know, defensively, he's he's had some some highlights. And yeah, yeah, and I, you know, this goes to also. I, I think I mentioned this in the previous show as well. I, I thought Jalen Smith just looks way more comfortable at the four than the five. Um, and so, you know, getting Isaiah Jackson on the floor, or you know, if Goga needs to be that guy, you know, I just think that Smith looks like a different basketball player playing at the four. He looks overmatched and kind of like a deer cotton headlights at the five. Right now. This would be a great time to learn. Cause if you're six ten and two twenty in this league, you're going to have to learn how to play some five minutes. Yeah. He's just, he got his ass kicked all week at the five though. He just uh, did. Well, he's going to have to learn. He's just going to yeah. have to learn. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think, I think both he and Isaiah Jackson, and this is true of many big guys coming. To, I mean, this is, you know, one of the adages of the NBA is big guys take a long time to develop. And a big part of it is just simply putting on muscle, you know? Yep. Like, Which he did. Both of them did. No, yeah, absolutely. But the, they're still facing guys that are like grown ass men. Right. right. And Christos Porzingis. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that are just like have old man strength and and knowledge of how to position themselves yeah. and do everything properly. And right? moves like, in the post. And, totally. Yeah. 
So I wouldn't. I know I told you. I told you to watch Isaiah Jackson and make him your project. And I know you're probably a little bit. Uh, yeah, he's getting like uh, 19 minutes a game or something. Like yeah, I'm like, yeah, what's going on without Miles Turner in the lineup? Like, what's happening right now? There's room to go up, which is fun. That's part of the ride, you know. Is is watching him overcome these struggles, and he'll he, he's certainly going to put together great games where you see the flashes, you know, strung together more consistently. Yeah, and he's such a high flyer in the open court, man. Between him and Matherin, we're, there's going to be some fireworks on fast breaks this season. It's you know who else was impressing me with, like, jumping ability was Aaron Neesmith. Like, yeah, he's athletic, isn't he? Oh, my God. Like, he had that chase down block in uh, the Detroit game, and then he almost had another one a few minutes after that. And just, just skies. That dude has serious athletic ability. If he come into his own on that shooting part of it, which <laughs> yeah, right, supposed to be big on the scouting report, he could be a real find for us. But yeah, he's got the size, and and I felt like uh, of everybody that had limited minutes, maybe Neemhard played the best in limited minutes, but uh, Naismith would be right behind him. Like it feels like a guy who's going to continue to earn his minutes. He's played well. Uh, what a find competes, this was. You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. So what about, so what about Duarte then? Um, I mean, Neesmith is taking his minutes. <laughs> Duarte came out last season scoring over 20 points a game as a rookie. He looked um, like an absolute steal where we got him. And right now, my assessment of this so far is that our pace is too fast for him. Like, I think he plays a slower old man's game, and we are running the fourth fastest pace in the league, and he just doesn't seem to be able to make the decisions fast enough. Like, he's almost too cerebral in the way that he plays the game, and he just seems like he doesn't belong out there right now. And it's it's sad because I, I like this kid a lot. So I think I might have misheard you. He scored 13 points a game last year. Yeah, but in his first like third of the season, he like he was averaging like over 20 points a game for a long time before he got hurt and stuff. He was great. I think his first game he had 27 points. He was he was really great for us early. Sure. And then he ended the season averaging 13, so that can tell you about how the rest of the season went for. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. And granted he's in another lineup, but Well, and that I mean, and that also happened as the veteran starting unit degraded into more rookies and stuff right like on some level maybe he just works better in a veteran starting lineup i don't know i mean i'm better when everybody else is doing more lifting too but that's more opportunity (laughs) for a rookie right so i mean he's gonna have to be better that's just you know the way it is and you know if you're in the modern nba and the complaint is the game's too fast. I mean, <laughs> you're going to struggle to find a, t- a team that is a good home for you in the current environment, right? Um, I, You know, he's, he's certainly in a heck of a slump right now. It's going to get better for him on the offensive side. But on the defensive side, um, you know, he, he needs to be more dialed in. He just yep. doesn't look as locked and as hungry <laughs> as Benedict Matherin does right now. And, and that's not what you want to see from your second-year guy who you're really hoping was going to make a leap. That's right, because that's his future in the NBA. Like, the way that he's going to have a long career in the NBA is being a defensive stopper, I think, personally. Being a 3 and D guy, right? Like, being able to knock down 35 to 38% of your three-pointers and being able to guard the other team's best player for long stretches of the game and, and at least hold them at bay, right? I'm not exactly sure what's going on. He he always looks to me like a guy that's on the verge of crying. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah. like anything that goes against, like slightly against his his perceived trajectory is is like throws him off, and he has that very uh, who was that guy Tyrone Hill type face, and uh, yeah, I, wor- I worry about his. Confidence, I guess. Confidence, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, because the thing is, I I really do, you know, you watch him sometimes and you're like, wow, that was such a smart pass or it was the right play uh, or he had the right angle on that defense. But yeah, there's, it's the second step that's missing. It's this, you know, it's like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, I I feel like he's got the right instinct, but you're right. Maybe lacking the confidence or, or the motor or the, or just the speed of the game to, to keep up with that secondary or third decision. 
it's I think it's a real concern, <laughs> especially since, um, you know, uh, he was a very early draft pick for us last season. So, I mean, it is. But I think that what we're going to see this season is, you know, all of these guys are young guys and they're going to have spells like this. This just happened to be Duarte's week. Yeah, maybe it's just a they're bad week. They're also right? going to have spells. They're going to go through weeks where they look fantastic. And then it's going to go away again. Like, that's just being a young kid in the NBA is you don't. That's it's definitely going to happen for Matherin, right? Right. right? Yeah. Where Matherin's oh, not going to score 27 points a game all season. I mean, that guy might be an alien, so he might. <laughs> but, uh, but no, yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, all rookies struggle at points. But, but yeah, can we talk about that dude? That guy's, I think, he's on my short list for favorite pacer that i've ever watched <laughs> we're like, three seriously. games in my friend is i know your seriously. top 25 already i know that i'm overreacting but like <laughs> i just can't get over his like motor and his just intensity and i don't know he just seems like all the things that you want in a, a basketball player and i think that he like like the thing that we talked about being worried about is his like it, maybe it's too much right Maybe he's got a little bit of knucklehead in him, but I, there were a few things that I that I saw this week that I thought that gave me solace, I guess, in that extent, and those were in the Detroit game, right? And so we talked about this on on Monday's show that he was playing against uh, Jaden Ivey, who went ahead of mm-hmm. him one pick in the draft, and so Ben's got this extra motivation to like really stick it to him, and he certainly let Jaden know when he did good <laughs> things, when Ben did good things, that is. Uh, but there were a couple things that I said. So there was one play that um, there was a bad turnover and Detroit had a, a fast break and Jaden Ivey was going in for a layup and Matherin was, was running down to chase down block or whatever. And, you know, I've I've watched run our test and I fully expected um, Ben Matherin to just hard body foul, check, like <laughs> NBA foul that dude. It'd be like, no. And he instead like pulled up and was like, okay, here's a layup. Like, I'm not going to cause any ruckus here. Cause I mean, we were well ahead at that point. There was no, like if it were a one point game, I'm sure he would have fouled the hell out of him. But like, it was a good professional decision. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then after the game, I mean, this is reading into body language and stuff like that, but like he and, and Ivy had a moment where like, you could clearly tell that Matherin was like, Hey man, like I'm just super competitive. Like, I respect you, like, no, nothing personal, like, this was just whatever, like, and Ivy responded positively to that, I thought, at least, and, uh, yeah, so uh, I'm super excited about him. We're going to see well, each other a few times over the next couple decades, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> that sure. Detroit, this, that's the other thing that you reminded me, that matchup, plus the Cunningham and Tyrese Halliburton, like, head-to-head, like, this is going to be fun over the next few years. Yeah. Sorry, I cut you off, Colson. No, no, no. I, 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 I would love to renew the Detroit uh, uh, Pacers rivalry. You know, post brawl. Let's mm-hmm. get a new era. Um, and um, I assume that it won't end in a fist fight. I, I hope. Knock on wood. I guess. <laughs> yeah. As long as Detroit doesn't let a holes in the arena, which is an impossibility. But well, yeah. uh, their fan base still is the worst. So totally. who knows? Mm, yeah. No, nah, there's always Philly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's always a one and two between the two of them. <laughs> Philly fans extra un- insufferable now. Now that the Phillies are also doing well. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <had a> thing. <laughs> no, no. Um, so uh, here's the, the thing that I'm, uh, you know, enjoying watching. And I think, because I, I, I think when we started the season, I was like, Buddy Heald is a great sidekick to Tyrese Halliburton because they've they've played together for so many years and, you know, they kind of know how to do this and they play well off each other. Um, I think I just want to see a ton of minutes with Halliburton Matherin. Like, I re- you know, this is the future of this team. Um, you know, we can we can talk about the rotation of young bigs, but like, you know these guys look like stars, you know, granted they're both very young, but man, they look great. <laughs> Halliburton looks fantastic. 
Yeah, he's a boss. He's off to, you know, an excellent start. You know, if I wanted to nitpick, I'd let you know that uh, his 25.7 a game uh, is only matched by 9.7 assists. Uh, and he has very publicly said that he thinks he needs to average a double-double for us to be successful this year. So mm-hmm. I know that he's not quite up to his own standards just yet. Um, and probably 3.7 rebounds leaves a little bit of room for improvement for such a good all-around player. Uh, but defensively, he's engaged. Offensively, he knows where everybody is. You know, it, it was fun seeing him on the broadcast in the preseason, just kind of seeing, you know, the wheels turn, you know, and, and how he's looking at that off-ball movement and trying to make sure guys are set up. He's really fun to watch. He's a really, really talented guy um, who's, you know, really into the game, loves the nuances of it. He's going to have a heck of a career, uh, and this season should be should be a really fun one to watch. He's going to be on the short list, I think, for uh, you know most improved. Now I know it's I know it's early. I mean, do you think do you think um, a twenty three, ten and five type season is 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 within reach for him? Absolutely. Um, okay. Um, yeah, he's our best player. Okay, maybe By a twenty five. Score one hundred and thirty points a game. Okay. <laughs> As our team I mean, gets better, our... maybe he scores less, but maybe he's going to do twenty five, ten and five. We don't have a third scorer. And our second scorer has played three NBA games. <laughs> and comes off the bench, by the way. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, no. the, 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 the buckets will be out there for uh, for Mr. Halliburton, I think. Okay. Well, I guess that was one of the big things that he worked on in the offseason, or that his trainers and the coaching staff has been working on him, is you know, being more aggressive with his shot, like getting a little bit greedier. I mean, sure. If he's, he's open, he's going to hit it. Right. And uh, he's shooting yeah. 42% from the range, you know, so far. Granted, yeah. it's only three games, but yeah. do that. I, I, yeah. I mean, it's a good start. Right. And, you know, because of his talent spreading the ball around, you know, those, those shots will be there for him. You can only, you know, you can, you can only get so, so, up into his shirt before he's he's by you and at the rim and right. you know creating havoc in the paint which is not where you want him to be he's really long he's just really long yep <laughs> it's just impressive he's huge um, yeah the, so the, the uh, thing so this year so if we're thinking of Halliburton's trajectory I think this year we're going to see him blossom as an offensive scorer and creator and really come into his I mean you know, you you said most improved. He could also be knocking on the door for All Star bids, uh, come February or whenever we vote for that January. The thing that that's gonna take him from borderline All Star to definite All Star is on the defensive end. Like I think that he has the ability to do it. I think that he just has to focus on that a little bit more. And I don't I don't know that this is the year to do. You know, every year you want to add something to your game. And yeah. I think that that's going to be next year, <laughs> frankly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fine. But like, yeah, yeah. be prepared to be uh, slightly disappointed <laughs> a few times. <laughs> well, you know, uh, uh, the, the Pacers said that uh, Carlisle is, is having them do, you know, two thirds of their practices are about defense instead of offense. Um, and uh, I've not really seen that on the court. So um We'll see what that looks like. I mean, I know it. it oh, sure you have. Did you see how many turnovers we had in the first half of each of those games? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the third of a. <laughs> Fair enough. So I guess it's all working out. Just go. That are just <laughs> not intended for anybody. It's, it's incredible. It really, is. it's like intentional I'm, grounding got called a couple yeah. times out there. I, I do like uh, – we've got lots of picks and lots of curls and lots of off-ball action that I like, especially even at the high pace. Like we're running, um, you know, full speed and then stuff's just – I mean, there, there's a lot of things happening offensively, and we're, we're getting pretty good looks. Um, I just feel like other people are dunking on us a lot, so. Oh, yeah. Lots of light there's, ball turnovers will do that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There's a Wizards game where, like uh, – I forget who it was, but they they get a half fast break and there's there's a guy coming coming down with the ball through the middle and there's two guys like sort of at the wings and they both just like run away and he <laughs> completely the that's the opposite uh, elevator door play. <laughs> 
I should find that clip and, and put it in the show notes. But. Oh dear. All right. Other thoughts, Colson? Uh, no, I, I think that's it. I, I do want to uh, uh, ask you guys, based on these three games, if it's changed your uh, win predictions. Because we, we didn't uh, give different win predictions at the end of our uh, preview uh, show. I think we got too excited and too into it. Um, do, do you Does the number that you put out at the beginning of the season change for you now that you've watched these guys play three games? Do you think we're better or worse than you thought we would be? Nope. Yeah, no, I, this is about what I expected to some degree. I mean, I th- I think we will be competitive. I think all of these guys want to win every game and will fight to, to win every game. What I think we're going to see more of as we get into the season, especially as we start playing professional basketball teams, is we may be able to keep the game tight until say the mid fourth quarter and then that's when professional nba basketball players sort of take over games and like we will get we'll see situations where we're out executed where we make just bad turnovers bad decisions all that is fine they're young guys this is the learning process and the the byproduct of that though is losses like you're gonna lose a lot of games that you're like damn we had that we were totally in that game and we lost it and that's fine. I mean, that's the process, you know. So, I think my thought on after the first three games is, uh, Buddy Heald isn't bringing as much as I thought he would. Duarte's not bringing as much as he, he I thought he would. The young guy, big guy core, may be a little bit more frenetic than I thought, and defenses are going to be able to key in on Halliburton and Matherin, and I think we're gonna. Uh, be embarrassed quite often. Um, I'm I'm lowering my number uh, to whatever it was to to the mid to low twenties. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of question marks for this team. The, I mean, the good news is, you know, I think it will be fun to watch this the competition play out at positions. I think you know, Nee Smith and um, Chris Duarte kind of going toe to toe. Hopefully, we'll you know put us in that iron sharpens iron. you know, Mm -hmm. competitiveness place. And one of those two guys really comes out. Um, And, you know, the other thing that, you know, we just desperately are going to need to figure out is who's our third scorer. Cause even with miles Turner's Turner back, he, he has historically been so inconsistent offensively that any reliance upon him as your, you know, third scorer is is not a long-term recipe for success. Um, Maybe this is the year Harper. Maybe this is the year. (laughs) That's what I've said the last seven years. So I know, I and think, maybe this one's it. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, or or uh, you know, we can look forward to finding out who's going to step up into that role, and, and that and that's going to be fun to watch. Zero and three Lakers will make a panic trade and throw in a third first round draft pick. They're not allowed. <laughs> All right. On that note of foreshadowing, let's take a break. We'll listen to some music, and then we'll come back and talk a little. Uh, but what's going on in the, the wider realm of the NBA? We ain't got time for a hater be gone. Flexing on a fuck nigga, hater be gone. Little dark biscuit, burn up the snow. Better stay your ass down at the level you are. Free my nigga Dorian, release the mirage. More I look back, I can see the collage. Better start charging y'all a fuck nigga feet. Shout out to my shout out to my nigga King God. I don't wanna, I don't wanna try real hard. I just wanna, I just wanna die real hard. Black Bruce Willis is a black ops killer. Vision manifested, I'm a fly real far. Rebel in my pocket, in remembrance of the season. They facetious, so black Jesus shine your light within a region. Reach in the back, crash that blunt. Bruce that boy, the scotch lean in the rack. Pocket on empty, skull in the cap. Winner win bite, summer hits back. This, that, this, that, this, that, sacrificial lamb rap. Ransack in the city with my clan rap Ghost town got them fans and we're back from the bait hold on let's do that again. 
Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. And we're back from the break. All right. So oh, we're that, gonna... no. Okay, I'm sorry. That was what? way less energy that time. All right. You want to do it a third time? Because <laughs> <laughs> more times always equals more energy. <laughs> and we're back from the break. <laughs> All right. No Joey this week, but we still got a stat of the week for you. Harper... Uh, Joey sent sent it along, actually, I think, specifically to the enforcer. He didn't want any anybody messing this stat up. So. <laughs> Joey, stat of the week! So, in Joey's stead, uh, the stat of the week is one. This week, <laughs> Tyrese Halliburton said that being traded to the Pacers was one of the best things that could have happened to him uh, <laughs> since being traded to the team. The number was one. He is averaging 25.7 on 50% shooting from the floor, over 41% from three-point range. Um, and we went over the 9.7 assists uh, and two steals a game. He has been everywhere and everything for this team. Um, he's having a monster season. He seems really excited about the opportunity, and that is cool to see because uh, no one should have to be a king. okay and then bonus stat i'll just put it in here now um according to zach cram on twitter benedict matherin is only the fifth nba player since 1980 to score at least 72 points in his first three games and the first since 1995 that list the other four guys isaiah thomas dominique wilkins michael jordan and the inimitable Jerry Stackhouse. <laughs> did uh, did Banchero get on this list right behind him, perhaps? Oh, yeah. Mm. With his 20-some-odd yeah, points a game? Yeah, he's averaging 23 points a game over three games, so that would definitely put him on that list as well. Almost. What did you say, 75? 72. 72. Two, uh, 66 is less than. Yeah, 67, also less than yeah. Okay, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I didn't listen very hard to the stat. That's all right. <laughs> all right, so it's not only the Pacers that have been playing basketball. There what? is a, a wider NBA uh, that has been happening. Harper has no idea about this. He thought just, it was just the Pacers. Yeah. That's that's well, all he's most, seen. I mean, that's the only thing that matters. But, that's true. Um, yeah. Colson, what what have we been missing about uh, the the rest of the NBA? What's surprising you so far this year? Well, uh, a couple things that that I wanted to correct from my project predictions. Um, I I think I gave uh, the Pelicans an outrageous uh, amount of wins in my prediction. Um, I think it was forty eight or something like that. Um, I think they're awesome. I'm not sure how anyone can stop them. I think they are a clear home court advantage uh, playoff team in the West after watching them for just two games. Zion is back and legit. Valanchunas is apparently going to give you like 20 and 15. Herb Jones is the third or he's the uh, fifth starter at small forward and just does all the little things. Like I love that guy. Uh, Brennan Ingram scores at will. He looks like a, um, a poor man's Kevin Durant. Uh, this team looks unstoppable offensively and they've got the depth. I think this team is, is I know they're young, but I think they're not, they're not, they're not, uh, Detroit young or Pacers young, this team is is ready to start uh, contending. I'm all in on the Pelicans. As we record, the Pelicans are now two and one. Oh boo! Hmm. After dropping to <laughs> Utah in OT. Oh boo! Who are in a full full rebuild? Yeah, but you know what? I th- is it does that make Utah three and zero now? Yeah, if they're the playoffs two and one. today, Utah would be the number one seed. So okay, oh, that, okay. Question number two, uh, Utah, WTF? What's going on with Utah? 
I picked them to be the worst team in the league. Uh, maybe Danny H is a, is a mad genius. <laughs> this, is the, this is the most ridiculous Ewing theory we've ever seen. So they just trade away all their good players, and now they're going to start winning. Certainly, they beat New Orleans, and you know, I, it remains to be seen how 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 long Zion can remain healthy. I hope it's the whole season, but I think that's the only thing that tempered any of our predictions to begin with. That's true. That's true. But Ingram has looked better than I thought. Valanciunas has looked better than I thought. Um, and like I said, I love this Herb Man, Jones kid. And really and Mc- McCollum, super uh, good. CJ McCollum. Uh, McCollum. Yeah. I can never get his name right. Um, it's shit. too. Cl- yeah, I just think I they're know. great. They beat all the contenders too. Utah has. Yeah, Jazz has beat Denver, <laughs> and then they went to Minnesota and beat Minnesota, and then they went to New Orleans and beat New Orleans. And they're two and zero in overtime. <laughs> Danny Ainge is pulling his hair out. He's like, yeah, what? he is. He's like, what? Guys. What are they? What are you doing? I'm trying to make us lose. Uh, is Mike Conley just uh, reinvigorated by all the youth? What's going on? So uh, their leading scorers by game were Colin Sexton, Jordan Clarkson, and Laurie Markkinen. So they're spreading it around. Multi-pronged attack. Yeah. Hit you from all angles. Uh, Harper, can you give me a little bit of news about the other 3-0 team in the league, the Portland Trailblazers? How are they looking? Um... I mean, they're apparently three and zero. Uh, <laughs> He's just finding this out this moment. <laughs> um, I mean, they needed to have a good, strong start to the season. Um, you know, they 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 were they got Sacramento on the road, um, and then took out Phoenix in OT before walking past the LA Lakers, who can't put anything together. Uh, Lillard has scored 41 in each of the last two games. Wow. So slow start for him. Yeah, uh, but they really needed to games. get out of the they they needed to get out of the gates quick and and really make some noise early here to build some confidence for this team and hopefully hopefully you know convert that in enough wins this season to uh, can't keep Dame there cuz otherwise things are going to get real bad real fast in Portland. Oh, I don't want to hear any of that. I want yeah, Dame I to be like a one team superstar it would be great for the town it would be great for me end of list <laughs> okay I thought, I thought there was a number three might not uh, be great for Dave that remains to be uh, great for your bank account because you had some big bet on it or something I don't know no just as a fan I just I love yeah. him there but he's you know, the best it's, it's a tough place to tough place to be for Dave some years so hopefully hopefully they'll write the ship so here's another guy that uh, got signed long-term and might spend his whole career on one place. Uh, it would be Bradley Beal for the Washington Wizards. Mm-hmm. Um, I, After watching them in that opening game, I feel like they're kind of good. Like, not great, but like they're a competent basketball team. Like, really? That was your takeaway from watching that? It really was. No, I mean, I, I you know, I feel Beal is... Like hard to stop. He's really good at basketball, and oh, yeah. Porzingis and Kuzma are a really nice front court. I, I, I watched that game going. They're going to win more games than I thought they would. I think they'll be vying for a play-in. I, I really do. I think we might already be a better team than them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the difference is they they have like professional basketball players. I mean, yeah. I think they play defense every possession, which is good for them which is a huge improvement for them over the last four to five years. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's they're, they'll be fine until Porzingis goes down with some injury, right? Oh, okay. Fair enough. I mean, maybe he won't have to because they're not relying on him so much. I don't know. I feel like they've got some depth. I'm surprised that dude gets out of his door every day without <laughs> without a flat tire. But I, you know, that yeah, sure. They they look fine. Bradley Beal is super good. He just really is. But mm-hmm. you know, the rest of that team has largely reached whatever you know their potential is, and them just opening up the door and letting a team like us just storm right in and almost steal the game away from them is is, is not super impressive even the start of season. I mean, we were barely trying to do that and almost stole one from them. So they got work to do. Uh, what are they? Two and one or three and zero? Two and two one. one. Lost to Cleveland again in OT. Tons of OT games today. Uh, I I think one of my other regrets was uh, underestimating Boston. Um, I really thought that 
you know, their their previous coach, Ime Adoka, is that correct? Is that mm-hmm. um, I thought he was a huge part of their toughness, right? Like they had just been sort of floundering that last year under Brad Stevens, and then they were 25 and 25 and, you know, under new coach. And uh, then they somehow kind of put it together and they went all the way to the finals. And I thought, you know, without this coach who sort of toughened them up, they would kind of lose their identity. I know they'd done some nice stuff in the offseason by bringing in Malcolm Brogdon. And we watched Malcolm Brogdon kind of get run off the floor by faster guards. And I don't know, it just seemed too slow for the NBA. But he seems to really work for this team. And because he's the sixth or seventh man, and that's what he was doing in Milwaukee, he just brings a level of control and and, uh, calmness to that team. And I wonder if all the stuff that's going on in the the background, which I thought would tear them apart is maybe sort of galvanizing them. They look really good. Um, I wonder if this is the year where they're like, you know, it's us against the world sort of thing. And they, they figure it out instead of what ended up in my head, you know, thought that they would kind of crumble under this pressure. Yeah. And it doesn't hurt to be getting 35 a game from Jason Tatum either. No. Yeah. He looks fantastic. He and Brown look amazing. Um, and they do, I agree, they totally look focused. I will put an asterisk on the fact that they beat, um, you know, a Sixers team with a Joel Embiid that apparently hasn't played basketball in two months. And uh, what was I going to say? What was my other point? <laughs> uh, who else were they playing? I forgot it. Well, matter? they beat Miami in Miami, which is very probably the most impressive win. And then they beat Orlando. Um yeah, I think they're going to take care of business. I mean, it, oh, that was the other. Oh, now I remember. They got they got a heck of a game out of Noah Vonley, um, mm. randomly, who was out of the NBA last year and then somehow is back in and, and giving them good minutes. And, you know, hopefully Vonley is able to do that for them all season. But, you know, let's see him prove it at some <laughs> level. Um, right. And yeah, he, my my thoughts on Malcolm Brogdon are, are well known on this podcast, so I'm not going to belabor the the point there. <laughs> but he has looked. I will say he's looked good in the. I just I think he the, fits better in this role. He looked good. You know, so, he was never he was never meant to be the lead guy on a team. That's just not what he's built to do. That's right. Yeah. And in this role, he can manage his minutes and hopefully avoid silly little injuries or whatever. Yep. Uh, They're going to be dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that the only um, regret I have pick-wise, I mean, I guess the Sixers, I'm kind of surprised. Yeah, Philly ain't looking so great right. for any of us. <laughs> yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, yeah, it's kind of hard, hard to take any conclusions away from one and one teams. I haven't yeah. watched. I, I must say I haven't watched a ton of basketball, so I don't want to overstep my bounds. Tonight wasn't I lowest on Philly because I thought Embiid would get hurt or something, and I was still over Vegas. I yeah. mean, we were fifty-two, fifty-three, and fifty-four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I honestly, the team that surprised me a little bit was Orlando. I mean, granted, I only picked them to win twenty games, mm. uh, but a lot of people were picking that team, you know, to win 30, 35 games. Yeah, Palo Banchero comes. Yeah off the blocks just absolutely monster and you know first guy to put up like 25 5 and 5 in his first two games like the other guys on that list are like LeBron and Kareem or something like he's had a really good start and yet here they are sitting at 0 and 3 and uh not at all where they want to be so uh, a little surprised that they haven't been able to translate that into wins just yet yeah i agree with that isn't uh didn't everybody love Wagner the their last Wagner. year's pick Yes. Um, you know, they're like, oh, these two guys together, you know, it's the future of the NBA. Well, you got Banchero putting these kind of numbers up and can't pull out a win in your first three. I mean, come on. The Pacers pulled out a win in their first three. <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. They, they they may have had slightly tougher competition than us. They While they did... <laughs> While they did play Detroit, they also had to handle uh, Atlanta and uh, and Boston, who are oh. obviously playing very well. And Tatum Fair. Tatum posted a quick forty on them. So, sure. Uh, I watched uh, the end of the Clippers game the other day. Uh, Paul George put up uh, forty one, which I was really sad to see. Um, but 
he really sucked in like the last two minutes, which is awesome. So that made me happy. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I mean, they still won the game, but it got close. Another surprising team, maybe to the chagrin of their fan base, has been the Spurs, who after mm-hmm. beating Philadelphia yesterday, now sit at 2-1. and one. Uh, I had them owning the Tankathon competition and uh, not, not off to a great start from them. Things will get a little bit tougher for them. They got... Yeah, at Minnesota on the 24th and the 26th. Very weird schedule. Hmm. Okay. My favorite comment from the Spurs game was uh, Jill looked up and and they were there. Showing Greg Popovich and she was like, oh my God, he looks like the, an evil character from a horror movie or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not looking so great these days. Yes. Is this, this, this team has aged him the last couple of years. <laughs> All right. Well, obviously, uh, the NBA will continue to develop and we will keep you updated. I mean, so like the first week is like such a, a, a toss up. Like, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Little, so uh, the, the only thing I, I do want to uh, bring back up uh, before we move on is um, how quickly the Lakers panic. Mm. Um, they've That's got true. LeBron and AD both scoring 25 points a game. Um, and they're 0 3. You know, I, I mentioned this stat last week. Uh, they're shooting 22.3% from the three point range. Um, Westbrook is averaging 10 points on like just 30% shooting from the floor or something like that. I mean, it's it's bad. How quickly do they. Do they I, I don't know if they come back to the Pacers. I think they'll probably get better offers. Uh, but how quickly do they move Westbrook? Is this is this two months out or is this two weeks out? I mean, I thought I think if they had better offers, they would have pulled the trigger on that. They didn't keep Westbrook because they thought he was going to be the keystone to a really good start to the right. season, right? Like uh, their options are running out very quickly, and well, they're uh, still trying know, to I hold think... on to both draft picks, and so. Um, to, and, and, and if, if they're going to give up both draft picks, they want something better than healed and Turner. So what are they right. going to get? I guess. Well, and Gordon, as Edward, I said, Terry Rozier. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it, it, a lot up there. The, like, if they had the trade out there, they would have absolutely pulled the trigger because they know Westbrook is not good for this team. And the longer he is there and the longer you don't pay him to stay home, the more risk you run of just driving the morale of this team into the ground and while you know LeBron and AD can do amazing things to turn a team around, putting more weight on their shoulders after an 0-3 start is probably not where you want to be. So they either need to move him or just send him home. I mean, it's not Yeah, well, what was the – I think it was a, a game this week where um, the Lakers were up seven with like four minutes to go or, or ten minutes to go, whatever it was. It was down the stretch, and Ham put Westbrook back in, and then they lost the game pretty rapidly um you know it just seems like a bad idea it seems like he's not good uh when he's on the floor right now yeah well maybe uh maybe they were sold not hope that the zero and three sixers will uh <laughs> will will force james harden to think about his future <laughs> <laughs> i don't really like it here i mean that's kind of their hope right is they're just waiting for the next like superstar or superstar-ish type person to get disgruntled and to yeah. make a trade. And, and, and uh, you know what? They they need a, another non-shooter like Draymond Green is what I think they need. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. They could do that. <laughs> They're right. a mess. We'll, They're a mess. We'll keep you posted if the Lakers, uh, obviously, we'll do emergency trades once, or emergency podcasts once Heald uh, and Turner get Yeah, flipped. I don't. I don't think that we need to do um, a lot of Lakers news because the rest of the news is doing that for us. But sure, um, if if Heald and, and Turner are involved, you, you'll hear from us second or third or last. All right. Well, let's close out this show with America's uh, favorite, newest favorite uh, phenomenon that's taking the world by storm, uh, undid Googleables. For those of you that are not familiar with the show, we do uh, an undegoogleable, which we try to use our collective brain powers to uh, 
solve a problem, I guess, basically, or answer a question that one of us might have uh, without the aid of the internet. It's like uh, going back in time. <laughs> if you particularly like this segment, you can uh, subscribe to its own feed. Just under Google, under Googleables, and then you'll get it. Oh, are we doing under, under Googleables? That was the plan. Super excited. Um, you told us we had to. You said we signed up for it. In the end, it's going to be better and more true than Google can give you. This this is this is good. Oh, maybe it's not. It's probably not good, but it's it's timely. Why are spider webs a part of Halloween decorations? That's going to be hard to answer. I think the spiders are creepy. Okay. Yep. I mean, they're definitely creepy. Uh, I just wondered if it was like. I mean, is there some connection to you know we we've we've learned all the um, all Hallows Eve stuff and um, the Jack O' Lantern and the um, All Saints Day and the uh, what what are the little pies we used to take they used to ask for whatever the um, cross buns or something no so uh, yeah so maybe that's not a good one all right okay maybe here's maybe maybe like so I I feel like spider webs came out of the haunted house thing right. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, because, because it makes running it through spiderwebs sucks, and, and yeah, and it makes it feel old and you know vaguely yeah, creepy, like abandoned, abandoned, abandoned houses are just covered in spiderwebs because there's yeah. nobody there to clean up. So, so when did haunted houses start? Mm. That is a good question. That's a really good question. That's a way better question than spiderwebs. Um, uh, it's an undegoogleable within an undegoogleable. That's this is the fun of the game. <laughs> so I'm assuming that um, we built, we had really big, because we, we, you know, through most of uh, at least American history. Well, okay, never mind. Okay, when did we? Damn it, you got me all. <laughs> so what I was gonna say is that like houses used to be kind of like small. Your stereotypical mansion, like scary mansion, um isn't like a, a gilded age mansion right it's like it's not really a no, they're like victorian type things that's the stereotypical one that i have yeah but they're, they're know, not things so, with gables and yeah they're mm. gables and stuff but they're not so big that they're like i don't know i feel like they're fairly easy to get around you know like i don't think of them as like massive properties you know i think of them as sort of compressed yeah, yeah. it's it's the house buildings. like in your neighborhood yeah yeah, yeah. you don't like, want it to be creepy yeah. lady lived at or whatever exactly right 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 that's what that i'm saying unfortunately have to run into it because of another emergency right if uh yeah. you know it was uh built more you know yeah you'd yeah. be you'd be up a creek i feel like the fascination with ghosts was like at its peak in like the late 19th century mm-hmm. kind of okay. like people were were Having seances, lots of seances with like ghosts and stuff like that. Was that was it's that a, late or was that earlier? I mean, I feel like that was like the eighteen twenties and thirties. I could be wrong. I mean, well, I, I, I could also be wrong, but yeah. I feel like it hit its peak I, a little bit later. Um, okay, just because okay. there's more media at that point. Yeah. Um, okay. There was actually there, there was a there was a dollop about uh, Houdini versus uh, crazy seance lady that I listened to not too long ago. Hmm. Apparently. Houdini not so into seances, it turns out. He was in on debunking the seances, was he? He very much was. Hmm. Okay. He he knows them's tricks. Yeah, he wanted people on his corner. So are you talking about the concept of like a a a commercial entity of a haunted house that people would be like, Oh, here's a haunted house, come check it out? Or just the theory that like houses and neighborhoods. Where I like, think he's asking about both. I'm just, just yeah. I think guessing. the chicken and the egg part of right. this is is sure. also interesting. Because you know, I my, think commercially, I feel like like this later. like the P.T. Barnum again, late you know 19th century or whatever, like um, commercialization of people's fantasies or whatever. 
is also around one. And what would you? What was that thing you would walk into? It wasn't a haunted house, but it was like a, it was like a crazy mirror stuff with clowns. Like what was that? The fun house. Fun house, fun right? House. So does the fun house come before or after the idea of the haunted house? I feel like that's before. I feel like that was traveling with the Barnums, right? Like, oh, it yeah. definitely was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But doesn't that come out of the fear of? The old creepy dark house, or at least playing with reality, right? The fear of clowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, when did we start doing Halloween? So we, we we've we've done this in the past that we we've done the Halloween yeah. stuff, and I think it was the the seventeen hundreds in oh, can't remember was it Ireland, uh, and 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 they would they would go ask for soul cakes, um, and you would make people cakes for the poor. And um, mm. that was the trick or treating thing. Um, and the Irish also had the Jack O lantern. That was also Irish. So it's been around for like the 16, 1700s. Yeah. Sure. Sure. But I, I feel like the urbanization was an important aspect of that was Halloween the, that was the candy. Sure. That was the candy thing right. in the United States. So, and um, also, like you know, you you kind of 50s. need neighborhoods to have the the haunted right. house. It was the fifties when the Halloween would became a thing. I think because I, the, part of that part of the appeal of the haunted house is like you know it can be in anyone's neighbor. It could be anywhere. Right. It's the universality of the thing. Sure. Um, so. I'm going with I'm going with uh, Poe here. Okay. What's the 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 story he does? Uh, the Telltale so Heart. Many. Telltale Heart. Telltale raven. Heart, but that's not the one I'm thinking of. And the Raven, that's not the one I'm thinking of. It's it's uh, something about an old house, and it's the most creepy description of a house ever. And um, can I am I allowed to look that up? Montiato? No. Okay, I won't look it up. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm gonna go with that. I I think he uh, scared us all from houses. And then somebody else was like, I'm yeah. going to capitalize on this and then make a ghost tour of Baltimore. Yeah, I've, this feels like a very American phenomenon to me. House. don't know that I've ever seen a haunted house in another country, though. I don't, yeah. I can't say as I've been. It's not, it's not my normal travel time, so. But I'm going right. to go, yeah, America. <laughs> this feels like a weird 50s thing to me somehow. I definitely, I agree. I think that they got super popular probably in the 50s and like cemented themselves as part of our like Halloween traditions. But I think that the original haunted houses were like in the 1880s. Yeah, probably. I mean, there's some like Dracula backstory here, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure that there's some other weird mythology, but the popularization of them. Uh, Fall of the House of Usher. Oh, yeah, sure. You know, I feel like that's he created the idea of these, you know, um, terrifying gables and these um, shutters that knocked in the wind and all that stuff. But it was probably earlier. Yeah. Okay. So there's a pretty interesting article on Smithsonian. Sorry, I went ahead and Googled it. Yeah, go ahead. We're we're just going to. Ramble about old houses for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, that bring up Marie Tussaud. Oh, uh, for sure. In 19th century London, who scandalized British audiences with an exhibition of wax sculptures of decapitated French figures, including Louis the Sixteenth, Marie Antoinette, and Marat and Robespierre. I don't know those last two people. Anyway, uh, Tussauds' likenesses were remarkably accurate uh, because she created death masks for all of these people. Uh, And she set up a permanent exhibition in London dubbed the Chamber of Horrors. Uh, And then we skip to the 20th century. (laughs) So a lot of things going to happen in between then. The concept of the haunted house was capitalized on as early as 1915 with mm. the Orton and Spooner haunted house in the Hollycomb Steam Collection, again in England, 
Haunted House became a cultural icon when Disneyland's Haunted Mansion was opened in 1969. Mm. By the 70s, commercial haunted houses had sprung up all over the United States in cities like Louisville, Kentucky, Cincinnati. These houses are stereotypically gilded age homes because changing tastes of the nouveau riche left these homes abandoned or poorly maintained. I'm going to say we kind of nailed this. Yep. Uh, I was super wrong about Edgar Allan Poe. He only lived to be 40, so he died in like... 1849. Oh, okay. So not late 1800s at all. He was early 1800s. Okay. Died super young. Are you guys into haunted houses? Oh, heck yeah. Yeah? Sure. Do you like go every year? No, not every year. I used to go quite often. Uh, I I always enjoy them. Um, I don't want to have to wait too long in line. You know, that's my main Mm -hmm. thing. Lines are the worst. They're worse than scary (laughs) houses. (laughs) What about you, Harper? Do you, have you ever been? Do you go? Yeah, I used to. I actually did a haunted house at least one year. I can't Wait, remember what, what does that we mean. Were, you did one. You like? You I was part work? of the yeah, but I I don't think it wasn't like a paid gig. I think it was we were raising money for my mom's film project back in the day. Okay. Um, cool. But yeah, we made this whole big haunted house, and uh, yeah, we got like actual. Um, like an actual gremlin from the movie. Like they let us borrow. Oh, whoa. Yeah, it was pretty cool, man. Harper, I, I, feel, I feel like we went to a haunted house together with uh, like folks from college in Minnesota. I feel like we did that. Does that, does that sound that familiar? That could be a thing. Sure. I yeah, feel like I that happened. I was in a haunted house. Yeah. I don't think I've been since high school. I don't think it's, yeah. It's not my, yeah. Not my scene. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 if I went to college, that definitely would have been the last time I was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so this says that uh, they were popularized during the Great Depression as a way to distract young people whose Halloween pranks had escalated to vandalism. Mm. Um, so first haunted houses were low qual- quality put together by groups of families in their basements. Oh, so they were basically, it was something for the kids to do. Basically, sure. it was it was a Halloween so they, party. So they made like kid jails for Halloween. Yeah, it was a Halloween it was Halloween party for yeah. kids in the Great Depression. Cool. Um, that's that's what Wikipedia says. Yeah. This is fun too. In 1972, Jerry Falwell and Liberty University introduced one of the first hell houses as an anti-Halloween attraction. What's a hell house? I I don't know. They're they're basically haunted houses, but gospelly. It's like the same thing. I don't. It's unclear. Participants walk through several scenes depicting the consequences of things like abortion, homosexuality, and drunkenness. Nice. Yeah, I'd have to be pretty drunk to engage in that. <laughs> Apparently, uh, Indonesia in Indonesia, <laughs> they put people who do not follow COVID quarantine guidelines into abandoned and supposedly haunted houses. Uh, which was an attempt to motivate a superstitious population when science failed to do so. Interesting. Oh, here we go. Legends about haunted houses have long appeared in literature. The earliest surviving report of a haunted house comes from a letter written by, you guessed it, Pliny the Younger. (laughs) To his patron, Lucius Sura, in which he describes a haunted villa in Athens. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. And and Blank. back to my original terrible question. Apparently spiders are just associated with witches. Um they're the sidekick of witches and that's why they're associated with Halloween. I will agree with you though that the prevalence of spider decorations on houses has proliferated in the last 5 years. Yeah. And also giant skeletons. Do you guys have this where you guys are? Oh yeah. My uh, my my favorite bar has two skeletons like on either side of the door. Skeleton or something? Oh, not ten foot tall. They're just human sized skeletons to make. Yeah, no, that's like a thing now. Our neighbors have like a 10, 12 foot tall skeleton. We've seen them randomly around the city. Anyway, all right. I I'm gonna say we nailed that one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Even if I mean, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't come up with Pliny the Younger, but I did. There was no Pliny. I did not have Pliny. Anywhere. It's been a long time since we were able to tie it back to a Pliny. Yeah, I think Pliny was like in the first like five episodes and hasn't. Yeah, I feel like they were all Pliny's back then, yeah. (laughs) All right, well that's it. 
Now I want a beer. <laughs> for this episode, <laughs> we want to thank you so much for listening. Uh, again, if you want to describe or, or subscribe to the Undegoogables feed, uh, just search for it in your favorite podcast app. Good luck spelling that. And <laughs> well, uh, this one's going to come out in two weeks because it's timely. So, right. or actually next week probably. So and so, what that is is it's you skip all the basketball nonsense and just get to listen to us try to the nonsense do what nonsense. we just did. Yep. Uh, if you have an idea for an undegoogable or want to talk Pacers uh, basketball, you can do so uh, on Twitter at undebeatables. Send us a message there. There or we have a Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash the undebeatables. You can email us shout out at theundebeatables.com or you can go to our website and use the contact form uh, which is theundebeatables.com and while you're there send us a message and then hop over to the store page and buy yourself a t-shirt uh can the kids tiktok us yet have we figured that part out yet negatory okay we gotta we gotta get the uh our interns on that yep get al harrington on that <laughs> for the architect Donnie Walsh and our once and always Hall of Fame coach, Bobby Siclenard. Turn out the lights. The party's over. Mm, was that your creepy haunted house voice? It was, yeah. That was what I was Nailed going it. with. It's, it's, it. it's theme. You know, it's a, it's a theme song. Mm-hmm. That's what theme <laughs> songs mean, right? Sure.